This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling? with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids. This is episode 23, and I'm talking with Andrea Davis from Better Screen Time. Better Screen Time is an online resource that helps families navigate the world of electronic devices, something we are all dealing with raising kids in 2021. Andrea has spent a considerable amount of time studying the latest research, interviewing intentional parents and testing strategies in her own home, which by the way, she has five kids of her own, all in order to learn what really works and what doesn't when it comes to screen time. All right. I'm really excited to bring on this new sponsor for the podcast, and it is Beam. Listen, ever since I started having kids, I have had trouble with my sleep, and I will do anything and everything in my power to make sure that I'm getting the best sleep possible. And Beam, they have a CBD blend. It's called Dream. It has a hot chocolatey flavor, and it is so delicious. I've been taking it every single night and have seen huge improvements in the way I fall asleep at night. And it is my relaxing ritual every single night. You all can try it out and save 15% when you go to Beam, B-E-A-M, Amazon Mom, TLC.com, and use the code Lindsay15 at checkout. They also have an awesome hydration line as well. That is BeamTLC.com. Start sleeping better, use the code Lindsay15, and check out their Dream Blend. All right, friends. Well, I hope that you really enjoy my conversation today with Andrea Davis. Okay, well, today on the podcast, we have Andrea Davis on the show with Better Screen Time. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea. Thanks, Lindsay. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited to have you on the show when I decided to launch a parenting podcast, the whole screen situation I knew was going to be like one of the main topics that I wanted to cover. Tell us a little bit about your story and how you became passionate about this work that you do with Better Screen Time. Yeah, well, I used to tell people it started a couple of years ago, but really, I think this started when I became a mom. So my oldest is 16. And when she was just two or three years old, I was talking to a good friend. At the time, we actually were at Purdue. My husband um, did a PhD there. And because are you in in the Midwest? Yeah, Yeah, I'm in Indianapolis. Yeah, so we were in West Lafayette, so your territory. Uh And I had a good friend who was just an avid reader, just very, she just read so much. And I asked her one day, I just said, how, what did your parents do to just make you love reading so much? Cause I love reading and I love books, but like she took it to a whole nother level and she was so brilliant. And she said, Oh, we didn't have a TV growing up. And I was like, really? Wow. And so I was just curious about that. And so I talked to my husband, Tyler, and he's not really into sports or anything, not really attached to the TV. And so I said, Tyler, would would you think if we just put the TV in the closet and we just like use it like an appliance, kind of like when you pull out your blender or your toaster, 
And he was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So that was, you know, what, 14 years ago, we put the TV in the closet and we would pull it out for family movie night and for the Olympics. So the Olympics was the only time when the TV just permanently sat out for a couple of weeks, just because I love like athletes inspire me. I'm not necessarily super athletic person, but I just love that. And I wanted my kids to kind of catch that. And so that was really the only time we would pull the TV out. And we've just done that for years. And, and my kids now, all these years later, they are there. They love reading. They love books. Like it, it worked. And so that's really when it started. But fast forward just, you know, years after that, when my oldest was around 12, we made a big move. We moved from Illinois to Oregon. My husband took a new job and it was an unexpected move. It was kind of traumatic for all of us. And we were living in temporary housing. And I ended up handing over just a leftover smartphone that we had to my oldest because I thought, I don't know anyone in this town. Uh, we're all starting over. This is kind of scary. And then she, of course, had left friends befi- behind who at that age were starting to get phones. And so I thought, you know, I've just pulled this middle schooler away from her from her friends and her space. This would be a great way for me to keep in touch with her and for her to keep in touch with her friends. And And then she was asking too. And she's super responsible. And so I thought, okay, this just seems like the next step. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll have rules. And it didn't take long for me, Lindsay, to realize that I, that we had made a mistake. Like it was too much too soon. And I visibly could just see her childhood getting just sucked away from her. So we went back to a brick phone. It was really hard. There were a lot of tears on her behalf and ours. Yeah, it was not fun, but I, that was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And I, and so at that point, I really started looking for resources and started talking to other parents and I just couldn't find the answers that I was looking for. I wanted a parent who was just ahead of me, who could tell me what to avoid and who could how tell me how to take this process in the right way, because technology had changed so much Mm -hmm. like the tv was the least of my concerns at this point yes you know what i'm saying because now all of a sudden we're carrying these mini computers in our pockets so i needed a new strategy and that's how better screen time was born that's so true the tv is the least of the worries right now i mean Mm -hmm. i i think i've been hypersensitive to the screen in the face more so than the TV. We, My kids definitely watch more TV than they probably should. But I don't feel as um, nervous about it because if yeah. I have like Daniel Tiger on, I know they're learning and they're like, you know, it's like good stuff. And a lot of times they get up and they play while they watch. But when their yeah. face is in a screen, it's like zombie Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's land. actually research behind that. So there's a book called Reset Your Child's Brain by Dr. Victoria Dunkley. She actually talks about the difference between passive viewing time and the, the interactive screens. So the screens that are more like in our faces, the smartphones, the tablets, where kids are 
um, swiping and tapping, those are interactive screens that actually increases the dopamine in our kids' brains more than just passive viewing of watching TV. So you're spot on. It's actually accurate. And if we are going to choose screen time, maybe as a mom, you need a break, then yeah, letting totally. your kids watch an educational TV show is definitely the better way to go. I mean, and that's just it. I think that that's where... Um, that's what why it's so hard is because we need a break. So that's why we mm-hmm. give them the iPads or whatever it is. Like we need to get some work done or we just need some space, right? Yeah. So let's talk about personalizing these plans because I think that one of the things is is we can look at other people's lives, right? And see, like some people might look at me on Instagram and think her kids are never on technology, right? Well, that's not yeah. true. My kids are on technology. You just, I'm not gonna like, record that every time they are. Yeah. And I do think that each family is unique and different in their needs. So, you know, your kids' ages are different. Their personalities are different. So can we talk about some ways to set up a personalized, unique plan for your own individual family? Yeah. I love that you asked that because that's really where I started because I could find media plans online that you could just print out And I thought, this doesn't really fit, you know, my vision for our family or what our goals are. And so that's really where I started was with having these tech discussions with my kids. And the very first discussion, we just sat down, we talked about technology as a tool Mm. and we made a thumbs up and a thumbs down list so that my kids really could see the difference between, you know, using technology wisely and then all those negative influences, the pitfalls of technology. And that was where we started. And then the second discussion we had, we really created a family tech plan. And this is something that I teach parents to do in our our new book. We just published a, a book. It's called Creating a Tech Healthy Family. Okay. It's on Amazon, just self-published it. And it's a discussion guide. So it really is just like something that busy parents can use as a playbook to help them create a family tech plan. And we just, we keep it really simple. We talk to, we talk about what, where, you know, when, how long, like, where are you going to use screens? What are you going to do on them? Where, you know, where in the house are you going to use them? How long are you going to be on them? And then I think starting with that framework allows every family to make the best decisions for themselves because, Uh, what works for me is not necessarily going to work for you or for someone else that's listening to this podcast, because like you said, our families are all unique and different, but there are some guiding principles that can help families make these decisions. And I talk about that in a book, in the book, and also more in depth in our course, creating a tech healthy family where I help parents do this, but just deciding as a family, how do you want to use screens, writing that up so that you have that have it visible you can put it on your fridge or somewhere else and then that way when some one of the kids or someone says well that that's not what you said or that's not what we decided you can go back and look at that and and the other great part is that your kids get input like they get to help decide mm-hmm. on the boundaries and that helps create buy-in and so what happens is if we as parents just lay down all the rules there really isn't any buy-in and it just feels very controlling and it's just not a great way to lead. I talk a lot about like leading your family and I, I believe in that. I believe that parents are, if we could just see ourselves as 
strong, capable leaders. That's what we're doing. We're leading, I mean, the best team, your family. And and so just thinking of it in that in those terms instead of like, how do I control everybody and just make rules? I love that concept so much because if you're a good leader, like if you're if your boss at work is a good leader, he's not just like shaking his finger at you telling you what to do all the time. Yeah. Yeah, a good leader is somebody who's going to model for you. And that was some a switch that I had to make too. Ooh, at that that's same hard. Point in time. It is. But I think as your kids get older, you get a lot more incentive to to do it because you realize that they are going to have a device of their own at some point. And for me, that shift happened around that same time. I was working for other people from home and it wasn't uncommon for me to take my laptop into the bedroom yep. 11 o'clock at night trying to get something done. And I thought, man, I'm going to have teens soon. Do I want them doing this? And I was like, the answer was a clear no. And I also realized this, you know, I asked myself, is this helping me? And I realized it really was I was getting bad posture, first of all, mm-hmm. like that's, it's horrible for us. And then I could tell it was interfering with my sleep and we don't always completely notice this, but it is interfering with our relationships too. It is. So I loved once I took screens out of the bedrooms, bathrooms several years ago, I just like my bedroom's a sanctuary. And so I think, you know, as leaders, then as parents, we get to model that for our kids. And it doesn't mean we need to be perfect, but we just pick one thing. And, and I think then once you get the results, you want to keep doing it because I was like, this feels good. I'm sleeping so much better, which means I'm a better mom, you know? Yeah. I have been trying. Yeah. I mean, I know my kids notice when I am on my phone and, you know, last night, here's a good example. Our youngest, we usually kind of put all of our kids to bed at the same time. Like Mm -hmm. my husband will put the two-year-old down. I'll put the four-year-old down while the big boys do their thing. And then we do whoever gets done first does the big boys. Uh And last night, Everybody was ready for bed except for the two-year-old. So we were like, I guess we'll keep everybody else up a little bit longer too because he's he's not going to go down right now. He's just wide awake and wired. Yeah. So we put a movie on. We were watching Ratatouille and I was just sitting there snuggling with my four-year-old and what are you going to, what do you do? So I'm like, of course, my, my instinct is to get my phone out and just like catch up on social media and scroll. But I'm like, no, go get a book and read a book. Because yeah. I, I want my kid to see my head in a book, not in my phone. It's okay that I don't want to watch Ratatouille. I'm not interested yes. in Ratatouille. <laughs> but if they see me reading a book while we're watching Ratatouille, I'd much rather that than them see me just like staring at my phone. So I'm trying really hard to to make that move. Yeah, that's exactly where it starts. And I think as parents, so we can just beat ourselves up all the time, feel guilty but just you had that impression that that's what would be the right thing to do and you do it. And then I think it gets easier with time, just like every ha- good habit that we try to try to create. We keep doing it until it gets easier. And our kids do notice. I, I promise you do. I watched that, especially with my teenager. I started at the same time really becoming better at reading I'm a f- person of faith, and so I started reading my scriptures in the morning, and I was using this tracking chart mm. where I was, because I was trying to read this volume of scripture within like 90 days, and um, several of my kids actually came and asked me if I could print one out for them too, 
Um, so they could read their scriptures. And I thought, yeah, that's the power, mm-hmm. I think, of modeling behavior. And they notice more than you think they do. Oh, for sure. How old were your kids when you had that conversation? Like, this is the plan we're going to have for our family. Because I know you have five, so you must have had a mm-hmm. wide range there. Yeah. At the time, my oldest would have been around 12. Okay. And my youngest was probably around three. Okay. So that conversation so, looks different to each kid a little bit, I'm sure. Yeah. We did it all together just because my kids are used to that, like just with different things we do. We kind of do family council sometimes anyway. And so obviously, like I got toys out for the three-year-old yeah. because I knew she was going to lose interest after a couple of minutes. But I think still including them because it is a family thing and they like to feel included. And we got out like poster board with markers okay. and I had the kids take turns being the scribe. And so, um, so yeah, it does kind of look different. But again, I think you can make a plan for everybody and include kind of those different ages and stages. And then if there were specific things that I wanted to talk to my older kids about, I usually just would do that one-on-one. We have another course called Untangling Teens in Tech. And that's more of a one-on-one approach where I'm actually, because now at this point my teen does have her own device and it's limited in its abilities, but we still, I'm wanting to prepare her. And so we're doing more of a one-on-one approach there. But that, <clears throat> excuse me, that family tech plan that we get in place in the beginning is, is the groundwork. It okay. really is the foundation. When do you recommend people do after. it? Um, I think that even as a couple, even if oh. like you just had a baby, I would sit down and do it as a couple. Yeah, I really would idea. because I hear parents all the time who even are just expecting their first child and they're already worrying and concerned about how they're going to handle screens. And so I think just even like deciding, are we going to allow screens in the bedrooms and could we keep those out so that we can instead strengthen our relationship and, you know, what will this look like for our family? And then it's going to be so much easier for you down the road. Um, But I think especially, you know, Sometimes people don't feel that need or that necessity, but I think especially once your oldest starts going to school and has any kind of access to a screen outside of your home or, you know, even in the home, I think that's really important. So like age five and six, Mm -hmm. they're really are old enough to have basic conversations about healthy screen use. I really have to get this. We talk about it all the time. But we don't we don't have a plan in place for our family. And, you know, that's one of the things in a lot of these conversations on on this podcast that I've come to realize. And just from educating myself and listening to other parenting podcasts is like making those agreements ahead of time from the for the simplest things in your family to the most complicated things in your family make the consequences, you know, once rules aren't followed and things like that, so much easier to follow through with because we already made that agreement. Yes. Yeah. You've got it exactly right. And then every, and then the other thing that's helpful with that is that kids know what to expect because I think when screens started to come into our home and we really hadn't used them much before that point, then it kind of was becoming this power struggle of it's a, like, it's a huge power struggle, pulling it away yep. or taking it away. And then the kids are confused because they're like, what did I do wrong? And, right. you know, and then instead, if you lay those expectations out, like, 
these are the times a day that it's okay and this is the type of content that's okay and our screens don't go in the bedroom, then like everybody just knows where they're at and they're not, it just lessens those power struggles because we, everybody knows what the expectations are ahead of time. You know what I, I'm struggling with it right now and I think it's weather related for sure because if, if we were outside more, we would not I you know they'd get home from school and I'd give them a snack and they'd go outside my big kids come home from school and they want to get on a device as soon as they get home and I'm like you've been gone all day you've been learning all like you don't need to then stick your head in a screen and like you said they're then they're confused because they're like I'm not in trouble what did I do wrong why can't I get on that um I'm sure other people are struggling with that too the other thing is is my big kids don't start school till 9.15. So if they oh, wow. get up at 6, and we, we literally live across <laughs> the street from the school, so we oh, wow. walk at, literally walk out our door at 9.15. Um, it's like that's three hours of yeah. what do I do? Right. Do you have suggestions? <laughs> yeah. Well, starting with the like after school, um, anytime you want to start a new habit, you really just need to change up the routine. Mm. So rather than trying to make screen time the bad guy and really emphasizing that instead, think about what would you like it? What would you like it to look like? Mm-hmm. What would you would you like to just be having a snack around the table and talking about the day and then having the kids go outside for a while and play a game and then like really build that into your routine and letting the kids know why and just saying, Hey, I know like we need to move our bodies and we need to get some fresh air. We need to just recharge after a long day. And what does that look like? In fact, there's a discussion in our book called healthy recharging where you sit down as a family and you actually talk about what does that look like and why do we not always want to unwind with the screen? Why is that not healthy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to do sometimes, but it's definitely not, we don't want to create a habit of that. Um, just because screens are, they don't always really let us relax and they are, they can be kind of dopamine inducing. And um, yeah, we just want to be mindful of what we're, how we're spending our free time. So I think having that discussion with your kids, making a big list, and in fact, on our website, betterscreentime.com, at the very top, we have a list of 100 plus screen-free activities, and the catch is, it's called when you want to do nothing. (laughs) And so I could find tons of like screen-free ideas, but it was like... Go on a hike. Make this go big to craft. The park. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Make a craft, and you're like, um, do you do you, you know what my life is like? Twelve supplies <laughs> for this one thing. Yeah, exactly. So we actually reached out to our community, and they sent us tons of ideas. And I was like, remember, you have to have this has to be something that requires hardly any energy, hardly any money. Uh-huh. Not a lot of time. And so they came up with a great list. So that's available as a free download at the top of our website. And that's helpful. So I think just having that conversation with your kids, creating a new routine and same goes with the morning. Like, what do you want your morning routine to look like? And, And you as a mom can just sit down and kind of brainstorm like what, what would be ideal, you know, and as moms, we know that some of that time needs to be them being independent because totally. we can't just be there like controlling everything. So especially when you have there, little ones, you know, and the big yeah, kids really uh, need to be independent. 
Yeah, exactly. But like, is there a skill that they can be working on? Or I mean, they don't, and they could be doing something relaxing. But I think having that conversation, and I talk a lot about what are the bookends of your day. And those bookends are, you know, how we start our day, how we end our day. And it's just our evening and morning routines of what does that look like as a family. And maybe at some point in there, there is some screen time. Yeah. But you as a family can decide on when that is so that there, you're not always feeling like, ah. Like you're not I nagging 24-7. Yeah. That's the problem. That's one of the big problems. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm constantly saying no, no, no. That doesn't feel good for me or you. Yeah, exactly. And I think just just exactly like you said, telling your kids that and just saying, you know, my job as a parent is to protect your brain, mm. to protect your physical health, your mental health. And just study after study has proven that too much time on a screen is going to deteriorate all of those things. R- literally every aspect of your health can be negatively impacted by a screen. But it's not that screens are bad. And that's why I love starting with that tech as a tool conversation first. Like there are lots of things we love to do on screens, but it's up to us to control that. And at some point, our kids, you know, will grow up, move on. They will control all of that. But right now, they don't have the mental capacity or the ability to self-regulate on a screen. They just don't. A lot of us as adults don't. And so we can't expect our kids to be able to. And I hear that argument sometimes that, oh, well, our kids need to be able to do it on their own. Not yet. They're not ready. It's, no, it's just like sending them into a candy store and telling them to eat broccoli. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I think. Like, it's just, you know, it's our job. It's our job. And we just, that I think making it as easy as possible by including them in the conversation is really helpful. Well, and that's one of the things I really love about your your model is it's like you're not shaming screen time. Like this is a necessary thing. Like we all operate our jobs on computers. Like you and I are talking on a computer right now. I'm going to post about yeah. this episode on Instagram. Like it's the way of the world. It is it's business, you know, for a lot of things it and is. it will be for them as well. So um, yeah, it, it's definitely a tool. I have, I'm so motivated right now to get two things going. One, a list of options. Here are the things you can do when you get home from yes. school. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say on that too is like, you know, I've thought about this because we're at a point right now where my little two do go to daycare now. This is like new for us this year and it's amazing because I'm working more. <laughs> um, yeah. And my big two are at school. So when they get home from school at four, we still have like an hour or so before the little boys get home. And I do usually get a little more work done. So I think, okay, sometimes I don't work at all and we go do whatever, but sometimes I do need to work or I have an interview. But if I just make that like 10 or 15 minute commitment to like touch point, instead of just letting them come inside and get on an iPad it's huge. It changes the trajectory of the rest of the evening. Even if they don't seem like they want to talk to me, <laughs> like yes. I feel that it's important. And a lot of times they don't. They're like, why are you asking me all these questions, mom? But I want them to see that I'm I'm seen and I'm hearing. I'm here. Yeah. Um, you hit the nail on the head. And so like everything that I teach at Better Screen Time is to connect first. So um, my my whole motto is worry less connect more with your kids. Worry less. I like that. Worry less, connect more with your kids. And so 
just, and it really doesn't take long. So you, you said it exactly like in 10 or 15 minutes of some undivided attention goes so far. It's just, you're putting in those deposits Mm -hmm. in this investment and your relationship with your kids and you're showing them that you're there because maybe they had a really horrible day at school. And if we never take the time to, you know, make eye contact and to really listen, we may never know. And like you said, sometimes they're not really ready to open up. They might be ready to open up. But, you know, I found with my teenagers now, it's more like nine or 10 o'clock when Mm. the younger kids are in bed. So if I've never made that emotional deposit earlier in the day, they're really going to be less likely to open up with me later on in the evening when we actually have an opportunity to talk about something that might be hard. And, um, Yeah. So definitely just connecting first is so important. Oh man, I'm not ready to have to have discussions at nine or 10 PM. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not there yet. (laughs) It's like my brain is done. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like friendly banter and I've definitely had to adjust my schedule, my work schedule. Cause yeah, when you have little kids, it's just like you get everybody to bed Uh and then you've got your quiet time or your work time. And now I've got two shifts Uh of um, the younger kids, getting them to bed. And then I'll work for about an hour. And then I try to give myself a stopping point like nine or nine thirty, so that I can at least kind of check in with those, the older kids. So yeah. Hey friends, a quick break here to just give a shout out to one of our sponsors for this podcast, Beam. Beam has the dream for better sleep powder. It's a CBD powder that I take every single night. I just mix it up with some hot water and it's like a little hot chocolate treat every night before bed that helps me sleep better. Go to beamtlc.com, use the code lindsay15 at checkout and that will get you 15% off your order. Hey friends, if you are loving this podcast, if you're enjoying it at all, please consider leaving us a quick rating interview that is extremely helpful, especially for these new podcasts as we get them off the ground. And just take a quick screenshot and share it with your friends on social media, text it to your group text of parent friends, whoever it is that you think might need these episodes. That would be a huge help and we would appreciate it so much. All right, friends, I hope you're getting as much out of this episode with Andrea as I am. Enjoy the rest of my conversation with Andrea Davis. Okay, so I read this somewhere and I'm not gonna say it right, but I I saw this, someone shared it on an Instagram story. And I just thought of it. it. It said something along the lines of like, we're raising a generation of kids who have screens to like numb when they feel sad or lonely or they need an escape. And it's like, oh, that just, it makes me almost tear up thinking of that right now. Because I know as an adult, I do that. Like when I'm just like, oh, I don't want to do anything. I'll scroll on my phone. And the thought of my eight-year-old or 10-year-old feeling sad about something and that being what they resort to is just heartbreaking. So what do we do? How do we, I mean, how do we, we can't solve the whole problem and it's not just our kids, but what do you suggest or steps we can take to make sure that's not happening? Yeah. Well, one of the things we just mentioned, but I, I like to call it being at the crossroads. So when your kids come home from school or, and I heard this, you know, from a wise person long ago, it's not my motto, but being at the crossroads when your kids leave for school, when they come home from school, 
you know, carpooling or, you know, driving them places, just being available and having conversations with them, um, letting them know straight up that if something goes wrong, I want to know, like I'm on your side. I want you to know that I'm, I'm your team player. And, um, Colin Karcher actually, actually talked about something called the no trouble bubble Okay. where he would tell, you would tell your kids, okay, this is the no trouble bubble. So when you say that, then we're going to go sit down and talk and you can tell me anything. You're not going to get in trouble. And so I think even just having some kind of a protocol like that in place where your kids know, hey, I did something wrong or something bad happened. But if I tell mom or dad, hey, no trouble bubble or whatever it is, then they're not going to get mad at me. They're going to listen. And so I think teaching our kids to come to us, um, some of my kids are pretty private. And so Mm. I can't necessarily control everything that they want to tell me or don't want to tell me, but I can still show up. And, um, I think definitely expressing that physical love, like the hugs, you know, the eight second hug. hug. I've been doing that recently. Yeah. And just like, it works by the way, it does another form of just saying I'm here if you need me. So I think just from the beginning being available to our kids. And then I think, um, in addition to that is just, definitely thinking about connecting just like I'm, I'm here to connect with my kids, whatever happens. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, gosh, it's, I feel like I use the weather as an excuse and man, spring is on its way. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm looking out a <laughs> yes. window right now and it's sunny and 40 and it feels like summer, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> but the thought of also kids, like just not getting the childhood that we got because of this, you know, like we, we did not grow up with this option. I mean, I just remember always like (laughs) lugging around all my books and papers and finding like little unique places to sit with all my stuff that I brought along with me. (laughs) And I just think naturally kids don't do that anymore because they have all these other options. And, um, you know, I started, I don't, do you follow the 1000 hours outside? Yes. I love them. Yeah. I started following them and we printed off their big tracker and everything. Um, and, and being intentional about that, especially in the winter, it yes. has, has helped our family in January and February because normally it's like, oh, if it's that cold out, like I don't want to go outside either, you know, but like <laughs> yeah. intentionally. Especially in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. You know, you used to live in Illinois. Yes. Yeah. It's like, yes. get your and hour Indiana. in. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. we're IU people, so... I know you went to Purdue, but (laughs) right, (laughs) a little Um, bit of rivalry there. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But yeah, just like making sure that we're getting outside more has been a huge priority. And we're already outside people; like we're an active family, but it's still really hard. Yeah, and I think that is the key. You just have to force yourself. But getting outside, and then kind of back to your other part about like how we don't want our kids to train. We don't want our kids to feel like they need to soothe themselves or go to a screen. Another part of that is really like what, what systems are we setting up in place when they're little? And that's why I talk a lot about not using screen time as a reward Mm -hmm. because what happens is, and this is just all the study of habits, but you know, our kids have this, um, idea that, okay, well, screen time's a reward. That's how I reward myself. And then they kind of create this habit loop. Mm -hmm. And then as they get older, then we're disappointed when they're turning to a screen 
to reward themselves or unwind when we've created that habit all along. And so that's really why I, I use the motto. I tell parents, reward your kids with your time, not screen time. And that's so um, smart. You know, what does that look like? That looks like even if your kid has 30 minutes to play a game on the computer or whatever, you can say, hey, we're going to set a timer. As a mom, you get to go do your thing for 30 minutes, have a break, set that timer when that goes off. Or before that, you tell your child, when the timer goes off, let's go jump on the tramp. Or what would you like to do? Let's go do something together. And it could be like a 10-minute bike ride. But then that ends up being the reward and not screen time. And I tell parents all the time, like guaranteed, your kids really would rather spend time with you than be on a screen. And I know some parents have a hard time believing that, but I, with all my heart, I believe it. And I've watched it with my own kids. Like my son's eyes light up when I say, you know, what, what do you want to go do? Let's go do it. And they love that time with you, especially if they get a little bit of one-on-one time. Yeah. And you not on your phone. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's easy to pull that phone out. Yes. I mean, I think. the phone at home or out in the house or wherever away from you. Yeah. It's like, I think one of the the biggest messages with that, and it's like with so many of these like positive parenting things I've been learning about, it's like you're actually teaching yourself. Mm -hmm. We we have to break. If we want our kids to, to do this well, we have to do it well. Yes. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, and it's, I don't, I don't always do it well. I mean, I, I know I have these conversations on this podcast and I, you know, want to have less screen time with my kids, but like, I'm just here to say, I don't do it well all the time. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's going to do it perfectly because this is something we've never had to deal with before. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's okay. And that's why, you know, a lot of us are trying to speak up and especially as someone who's been a mom now for 16 years, I've seen the change mm-hmm. really in distracted parenting. Yes, I've watched distracted myself yep. and I've thought, okay, how can I do this a little better? And there's no way that we can do it perfectly. I think, especially when you're running a business and I mean, I talk about this and I'm yet trying to run a business you know, using a phone and using technology. And so I think just setting up those personal boundaries and doing, you know, your best to try to stick to those. Nothing. There are no other times that I've seen myself more irrationally frustrated than when I'm like trying to do something on my phone and my kid needs something from me. And then I pull my, I actually remember the specific situation I was I had like taken Instagram off my phone for a couple of days around Christmas and I put it back on for something and I was just typing up this like really quick post. I don't even remember if it was for my personal page or why is everyone yelling, but the kids were yelling at me for something. They wanted something and I'm in the kitchen going, hold on. And I could tell my husband was so annoyed with me and he yeah. knew what I was doing. I was posting something on Instagram and whether it was like for business or not, whatever, like I was so distracted by it. And it was like three days before Christmas or something. I had kind of like sh- tried to shut everything off there. But the only reason I was so frustrated is because I was so distracted by my phone and I get like yeah. more annoyed than I normally would if I was just washing dishes or something. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, because it takes your concentration. Yeah, And we just can't, I mean, moms are really good at multitasking, but there are some things you can't multitask and that's, that's one of them. And it's embarrassing, honestly. And like, oh my gosh, it's pretty, pretty embarrassing how 
frustrated and annoyed I was because I was trying to post on Instagram. But just so everybody knows, if you've done that, I've done it too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what mom that uses social media hasn't experienced that. But then I think you, you think, okay, lesson learned. Maybe I need to have a certain time of day when I'm doing posts on social media and, or I excuse myself. I go in, I talk to the kids, look them in the eye with my phone away and say, I just need like five minutes because I have to post something while it's because sometimes you do it's like fresh in your brain yeah. and you're like, I got to do it. Yes, now. that's it. So I think just pausing and like acknowledging and then and then making sure that you really stick to that. Like I'm going to finish this post. I'm going to publish and I'm I'm going to walk away and leave my phone here and go see what my kids need. And, you know, I think it's just a balancing act that we all we all deal with. OK, let's dive in real quick to when it's time for kids to have a phone. I did it wrong the first time. So, um, yeah. So what we did is we sat down with our kids and this is also in our discussion guide, but we asked our kids two questions. We said, what does it mean to be responsible? And what does it mean to be emotionally mature? Mm. And you might have to unpack that a little bit for younger kids, but for the most part, our kids knew, I mean, and, and your kids will know your listeners, kids will know. Um, we just made a list. The kids said, Oh, will you get up for school on time by yourself? You do your homework without being asked You do your chores. And then we talked about being emotionally mature. They said, you know, you're kind to your siblings. Um, you don't lose it when things don't go your way. And those are all things that are really important that, you know, you need to be able to do before you can have a device. So when we had that conversation, I didn't say anything about the cell phone. But at the end of the conversation, I said, yes, all of those things are things that are so important that really, I guess, say that, hey, this person's responsible or they're emotionally mature. And I said, this is what a person needs to be able to do before they're ready for a cell phone. And so what we did is we turned that into a self-evaluation where it asks those questions like, am I responsible with my belongings? And then they get to choose between, you know, no, sometimes or almost always. And there's a list of 12 questions. And this is also available on the front page of our website and betterscreentime.com. But people can download the self-evaluation. And we've had thousands of parents download it and say, this was so helpful just because it gives kids the opportunity opportunity to self-evaluate and see, well, where am I at really? And then the very last question says, you know, do my parents think I'm ready? Do I really need it? And and so I think even if you got like an ultra responsible nine-year-old, but you're like, no, this nine-year-old doesn't need a phone. <laughs> Then it's an opportunity to talk about why, you know, why would we need a phone? And so I just felt like with five kids, I couldn't just pick an age and be like, this is when we're going to do it just because my kids, and you probably know that too from, they're all so different. And then, you know, at the time there weren't great options available, but now we've got the Gab phone. And so that's a great first phone where, you know, the kids don't have any internet access or anything or the app store distractions like that. And so, um, my two middle schoolers share a gab phone and it's a family device. It's still, neither of them have passed the evaluation. I don't want either of them uh, to have their own device yet, but they share one, share that. And it's worked really well. I think it's actually good for them to have to share it. 
And then um, my oldest, who's 16, does have a phone. She's passed the evaluation. So she has a real smartphone. What's that? She has a real smartphone beyond a gap phone. Exactly. But it has limited access. So she does have a social media account, but it's not on her phone. She can use it on my phone. That's smart. And so, yeah. So I think it's just like taking this graduated approach. And we do talk about that in the discussion guide too, where we have a four phase process where you start with like a gab phone or a brick phone. And then next you might, and that's like a couple of phases. Um, and then the next phase is adding some apps that might be useful. So perhaps your team's team sports team uses a certain app or your church has an app or something like that. Then that's the opportunity to add that. And then that very last step is social media. Mm. And that takes a whole nother. It's so scary. Yeah. It takes a whole nother level of responsibility and maturity. And for me, that is like an advanced teen step. I, I used to teach middle school and I just don't think that social media and middle schoolers go well together. Oh, I can't imagine walking through middle school with social media. Yeah. But a lot of kids are. And I, so we have we have a whole nother self-evaluation that says, am I ready for social media? And there's actually a section for the parents and for the kids. Because if you're going to allow that, that takes a whole nother level of responsibility from you as a parent. What kinds of conversations have you had with your teenager? Do you feel like they really have a strong sense of self? Yeah. Like self-identity that they know who they are? Because that that's got to be in place before they are even dabbling in social media. It's tricky, but I think we can take things slowly. And that's, that's definitely my approach. I love that you, your daughter has social, like that you've allowed her to do that. She passed all your evaluations, but like it's monitored and like, I don't want my kid to have a phone in his pocket or her pocket to just always access it, always access it, always access it. Cause that's, I mean, we do that as adults too. And yeah, it's such an escape. And so I think that's a really smart way to do it. Yeah, it's helpful because then I'm not completely eliminating access. But, yeah. And then I have a little bit of control over it because on Instagram, I can just click to, to her account. And we have conversations, <clears throat> excuse me, about that where, you know, we're not, I never spy on mm. her stuff, but we sit down and we'll look at it together. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, let's do a tech audit. We'll sit down. I'm going to look through your texts and, um, you know, all your, all the stuff, <laughs> the DMs, all those things. And let's just talk about it. And it's just helpful. I, that's a great way to build a relationship of trust with your teens, especially. Uh, it makes me so sad. I'm like, can we just go back to a world where like you didn't have to have a platform online where you compare yourself to your peers when you're, you know, that's already happening in person. And then you can sit alone in a bedroom and do it. That's my other question I was going to ask you. So do you have like a place that everybody knows like, hey, this is where your phone goes before you go to bed at night? Yeah, just right here in our office, we have a charging station. And I use it faithfully too, even during the day. Um, It's that's where I try to leave my phone when especially like between five and 730 if Mm. I can if I'm not running kids places, but when I'm just at home, I try to keep that there so that I'm really focused on the kids and family time. But yeah, it, it gets used. Like, I think it's just, and this is why I'm trying to help parents while their kids are still young, because 
Now my middle schoolers who now share a phone, but who didn't at the time when we started these discussions, they just know that that's the expectation, that that's where our phone goes and that it doesn't go into the bedrooms or the bathrooms. And I think it's kind of like any routine that your family establishes, like, do you take your shoes off when you come into the house? And your kids are just like, oh, that's normal. You know, whatever is normal in your house, you can create normal tech habits too. And it doesn't mean they'll never try to push those boundaries, but I think they, the expectation is very clear. So Yeah. You know, I need to stop complaining about these school iPads and just like set the expectations for our family because, you know, you talk about introducing the phones and it's kind of like, oh, I feel so frustrated because, because of these, this introduction to these iPads from school, these iPads from school have YouTube on them. It's insane. I mean, it is a monitored, I mean, it is a um, restricted YouTube, but like, it's like, I would have never even considered buying my kid an iPad or a phone, but now we have them, but it's kind of like, okay, Lindsay, it's time to stop complaining about the school and just know like, oh, when you come home from school, these iPads go on the charger and then you'll have them again when you leave for school tomorrow, period, the end. Yeah, I think given the situation we're in right now with the pandemic, like here in Oregon, my kids are still home. My kids have never gone back to school. So I've actually been homeschooling my younger two because I didn't want them on a screen. And then my older three have all been doing distance learning. So yeah, it's been quite the year and I've had to definitely adjust my expectations a little bit. But at the same time, don't be afraid to speak up to your school mm. and to your school district. And they, they know who I am <laughs> for me. And um, there's a great resource. It's called, I think it's called Screens in Schools. Okay. But it's from the Screen Time Action Network. And you can look that up. But they have some great resources that you can share with your school district or with your PTO, PTA, as far as like, I, I guess my perspective is that if the schools are going to hand over these devices, then they need to be really aware of what's of the consequences and what's going on at home. So I know even here, my goal is that once things get back to normal, hopefully next year, um, I'm going to definitely advocate for our younger kids for keeping those screens at the school. I don't want them coming home no. and they'll, they'll hear from me. And is I, it like, because the they need school- charged? I mean, cause I'm like, why do we even get them sent home? Because the teacher doesn't have the capacity to charge them all. Yeah. Well, I think every school district's different, but in our school district, the only time they're sent home is with high school, like freshmen and above. And I'm okay with that because at that point they are kind of starting to learn Yeah, and they use them for homework. Yeah. And so I understood that, but every eighth grade down, they never came home until the pandemic hit. Okay. And so that I'm going to advocate that our school district goes back to that once things are back to normal. I can't demand that right now because everything's online. But I think like parents don't be afraid to speak up and talk to your schools because there's no reason, you know, if they don't have to do homework on them at home, then they should stay at school so that we can separate ourselves from that if we want to. I agree. Yeah, I know. It made it so simple because we had a couple snow days the other day and it's like, okay, we're just going virtual, which was kind of nice because they could still do their school and they had their iPads. And there are some things on there, like we were reading books on Epic the other night, but it's just like, I just don't want your face in that iPad any more than it already is. And yeah, um, I... 
that has thrown, I, I have been so dramatic about it too. I've been like, <laughs> I've stood in the kitchen and I've been like, these iPads are ruining our family. Like so yeah. dramatic, but like, you're not the only one. It's been so I mean, frustrating. Parents. Yeah. Especially no, being proactive, like, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've, all we have is like this little Nintendo and our, you know, TV. And now it's, I'm monitoring these iPads all the time. And there are some good learning stuff on there. Like every once in oh, a while, yeah. my four-year-old gets on the kindergartner's iPad and he's like playing music stuff. Like it's not all bad. It's totally. that addiction piece that I'm just like, I see it. I see it. When yeah. I tell you to get off, I you get angry and mad and say things that I'm like why did you just say that and it's because I took your device yes yeah and <sighs> that's all the the dopamine this, yeah. our kids brains aren't ready for that so that's really why um okay well we're coming to the end of our time so you know friends can check out better screen time Andrea's on Instagram she's got all these free downloads that she mentioned I downloaded the list of 100 things so Along with my 1,000 hours outside tracker, we have that in our garage gym. I'm going to find a place that. to, yeah, we blew it up. It's really big and it's in our, in our garage. Um, but along with that, I'm going to print off a list so that I, I like the idea of providing visible options for the kids instead of just saying, nope, you can't get on that when you get home. Figure something else out. Just provide some options. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You've got it down. Yeah. I'm, I was so glad I... I got to join you and yeah, people can find me on betterscreentime.com, Instagram and Facebook, better screen time. And we've got several courses for parents and yeah, I'm excited. There's a lot of uh, good things coming up too. Yeah. I was going to say, so we wrap up with these questions. What is something professionally that you're working on or that you want to do that you haven't done yet? Yeah. It's kind of crazy, but I would love to do a Ted talk. Yay. <laughs> TEDx. On this. Yeah, that's a little smaller scale. Um, but that's a goal that I've had for a long time, even I think before I did better screen time. But that's that's a stretch goal, but I hope to do that someday. And um, yeah, that, that's all. I love it when people, you put it out there. Put it out there. You want to yeah. do it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is the best, most recent book you've read? Yeah, so I recently read a book, uh, it's called The Glass Between Us, and of course I'm reading a lot of books about um, technology, but it's by Lisa, Lisa and Jason Frost, and I just did a video call with them the other night, but they have spent a lot of time studying this topic and really delving a lot into pornography mm -hmm. and law and like things that they've seen with youth that they've worked with, and it just for the work that I'm doing really was an incredible book. And for anyone that's interested in learning more about um, just the effects of screen time on, on our youth, really. That's another topic I have to dive into for the, for the show. Pornography. Yes. Like uh, that's, yeah. that's one of my biggest fears is, is my kids somehow accidentally stumbling upon that at eight, nine years old, which I know it happens. Yeah. yeah that's the average age actually. Ugh. Yeah. So, so but there are so many great resources now and I can, I can tell you later if you yeah. want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be great. It's so young. Yes. My friend calls it, um, she is like, so, talk to her son about it a little bit and she calls it sticky images. Like, oh, I like that. Yeah. I don't know where That's she heard good. it, but like you, you see this and it sticks and like you can't unsee it. Yeah. So like once it's there, like there's a lot of processing and, and work to do beyond that. So, um, yeah. 
My husband says I overthink the porn thing, but I'm like, you don't understand. You didn't have access to the kinds of things our kids have access to when you were a little yeah. boy. Yeah, you might have seen like an uncle's Playboy or something like that, but that is not the same thing. That's not what we're talking about now. No, it's yeah, whole nother, much 20- bigger and broader in scope. And it's a billion, multi-billion dollar industry uh, that's working really hard to capture people's attention and unfortunately our kids. So yeah, <sighs> we definitely have to fight for this. Heartbreaking. Um, what is a kid's book you recommend? I, this is a classic, but I've always loved Charlotte's Web and it's one that I've read aloud to my kids through the years, like my older kids and my younger kids. I just think it's such a beautiful story of sacrifice and I think kids love it because it's animals and, you know, the animals are talking and it's just such a simple but beautiful story. So I'd have to say that's definitely one of my favorites. That's a good one. Okay, so um, we talked all about screen time and and some ideas for implementing tech plans for your family in this episode. What are your big takeaways that you're like, if families can think of, if families can take a couple big takeaways from this episode, what do you want them to know? Yeah, I would say that the time to create a family tech plan is now. So definitely, you know, grab our book or we have a quick guide on our website that's completely free that can help you get started on that. And I think one of the biggest changes that people can make is getting screens out of bedrooms and bathrooms. I think that's life changing for so many reasons. And um, and then last would be to worry less and connect more with your kids. So we can spend a lot of time worrying about this screen time problem. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's our relationships with our kids that matter. And so I think if we're connecting first, that's the best place to start, because then we're able to have those conversations about all of these things, these topics that can be so hard and challenging. But if we are connected with our kids first, then it's, it's going to make it much more doable. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you. No, it's been great. Hey friends, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks Andrea for coming on the podcast. Don't forget to check out all that Andrea is doing, betterscreentime.com. You can also find her on Instagram. She's betterscreentime over there. They have 100 plus screen-free ideas on their website and have that new ebook out, Creating a Tech Healthy Family. Check them out. And as Andrea said, worry less and connect more with your kids. What a great takeaway from this episode. All right. Thank you, Beam, for supporting the podcast. Go to beamtlc.com and use the code Lindsay15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. You can connect with us on Instagram. We are Why Is Everyone Yelling over there, as well as Facebook. Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have a great group over there. Uh, Thanks for being here. Have a great rest of your day and we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?